1 Kings 19. This is not the message that I was going to preach till about 10 minutes ago, but it is now. I preached this last Sunday night at Liberty Baptist Church and Tuesday at the apartments and, and was not planning to preach this today, but, but we are. So for some of you, it will be a repeat. But I must admit that as far as repeat passages go, this is a repeat passage, at least for me, that is one I need to turn to often. Sometimes I feel like maybe God brings this passage for me to preach just for me. So it may not be for you guys today. It may just be for me or perhaps God will speak to you in it as well. This is a passage that I try not to preach too much because it's one of my favorite passages and I have certainly preached this passage probably multiple occasions here in the last nine years but uh, we're going to look at it again today some passages uh, bear uh, repeating it's good for us to be reminded and uh, this is a passage that I think when I first discovered it it, I connected with it well because I said man this is me this is what I feel like this is what I act like and perhaps it's the case for some of you as well. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3. We're going to read just the first few words of verse 3. And then we will talk about what's going on. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3. Then Elijah became afraid. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. And we thank you for your words. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through me and to each one of us today, dear Lord. I'm certainly not worthy to be here to preach your word today. But God, you have called me to do that. And while, God, I just feel underprepared and unsure about what to say today, God, I pray that you just recall to my mind words that you need me to say, that I would be led by you. God, that you would take away any pride that I have, that you'd take away any fear that I have, dear Lord. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill this place. God, I pray that you would help us to listen to you in these few minutes. We come in here today and we may be tired and afraid and stressed and worried. But God, I pray that by being here and hearing your words and being in the presence of other brothers and sisters in Christ, God, that you would restore our soul today God and I ask these things in Jesus name amen, amen. And then Elijah became afraid now that's probably what most of your translations will say some of your translations may say and he saw that well what did he see what caused him to be afraid what caused him to do the things that we are soon to see that he did Elijah became afraid what about you and I do you and I ever become afraid well that's an easy question to answer everybody in this room has at some point in time been afraid you may have come into this building today afraid of something that was going on in your life but what do we have to be afraid of if we seek the Lord if we trust the Lord if we have faith in the Lord we really know probably in our minds that we have nothing to be afraid of. 
Yet even though we fully know the power of God and have fully experienced the power of God in our life, there are some situations that seem too big for us. And if we're honest, we may even say, well, this is too big for God. Even though if we know in our mind that, that nothing is too big for God, even though we know in our mind that God will get us through what we're going through, that we have no need to be afraid, there are times in our life that we become afraid. Now, Elijah is a prophet of God. And as we see in Elijah, or excuse me, 1 Kings 18, that Elijah is a, is a pretty bold prophet of God. And that's what makes 1 Kings 19 such an amazing chapter to me. I remember when I first like, really kind of discovered this and, and paid attention to this passage. And I was thinking, man, what, what a change. You turn one page in your Bible from 1 Kings 18 to 1 Kings 19 and things look totally different. Now, we won't read all of 1 Kings 18 today. I would love to, but we won't for time's sake. But I encourage you to read it this week if you get a second won't take you long, but I'll tell you a little bit about what's going on in 1 Kings 18. Now, there was an evil king. Well, there were many evil kings in Israel, but there was one in this story, and you may have heard his name. His name is Ahab, and he was a pretty bad dude. He also had a wife that was pretty bad. Her name was Jezebel. Perhaps you have heard of Jezebel. She was, she was a pretty evil gal. Now, throughout the history of Israel, God's people were disobedient. What had God commanded them to do? Well, he had said, don't have any other gods before me. Don't worship any other gods. Don't worship any idols. Don't do that. That's what God said. Well, guess what Israel did? They worshipped other gods. They worshipped other idols. And this was, this was a cycle that was going on throughout the history of Israel. Time and time again... God was so patient with them. They would worship false gods, and then they'd get in trouble. And then who did they expect to save them but the Lord? And God, time and again, was patient. Now, that's not to say that they did not suffer many consequences and hard times for their sin. They certainly did. But God was always faithful to be there for his people and deliver them. Well, here we get to 1 Kings 18, and God's people are business as usual. They are worshiping a false god named Baal. Now, of course, Baal was not a real god. He didn't exist. He had no power. There were many false gods in the Old Testament, but they had no power. Only the Lord had power. Only the Lord was the one true God. But nonetheless, as good as God was to his people, they continued to find Deliverance and comfort and enjoyment in life through these false gods. Now, I would venture to say that if I were to go around and, and ask everybody in this room this morning, do you worship Baal? Have you worshipped Baal this week? Do you intend to go back home and worship Baal when you leave here? I would say that nobody in this room came in here this morning worshipping Baal, nor intends to ever worship Baal or any false statue or idol, hopefully not. If you do, then please see me after church. I'd love to talk to you for a little while. We don't want to worship false gods and gods made out of stone and wood that cannot hear, that cannot respond. When there is a God in heaven that wants to hear and wants to respond, if you'll call out to him. Now, we probably don't worship Baal this morning, 
But that does not mean that there are not things in our life that we place before God. God should be first in our life. He should be the Lord of our life. But too many times there are other things in our life that we begin to put before God. And possibly, God is not even number two on your list, and He may not even make the top ten, if you are honest. We have a lot of things that become the God of our life, that become the most important thing to us. Perhaps it's money. Perhaps it's our job. Perhaps it's the recognition of others. Perhaps it's our own families. Now, not all of these things are bad things. Money is not a bad thing. I mean, you could get money and you could use it for good. Boy, when you got money, that devil works extra hard to try to tempt you. And it's so easy for us to not just want a little money, but to want a little more money. And to not use that money for our Lord, but to use it for ourselves. We love our families as well we should. But sometimes we even put good things like family above God. Sometimes we are so ambitious and we want to make a career and a name for ourselves that we put our careers before God. And so it's very possible that all of us may have come into this room this morning with something that has taken first place in our life that is not God. Now, we probably don't call that Baal, but we could argue that it's a false god nonetheless. And so we may look at the people of Israel here and say, what idiots of all that God had done for them and all that God had delivered them from and been there for them and provided them, and yet they put these other false gods above God? What idiots! But perhaps the same could be said of us. Maybe God has done miraculous things in your life, delivered you, provided for you. What idiots are we sometimes that we turn to the things of the world instead of the God who created the world and provide the things that we have? So the situation in Israel was not good, and maybe the situation in your life is not very good either. And so God sent his prophet Elijah to Ahab and to Jezebel, and in particular to some false prophets. Now, Elijah stood alone as a prophet of God, as a voice of God. But Baal had lots of prophets, 450 false prophets, the Bible says. And Elijah comes to the people in 1 Kings 18, and he says to the people, Today you must make a choice. Today you have an option. Your option is to choose the one true God or to choose Baal. Now, we have the same choice today. You either choose God or you reject God. Now, when you choose God, man, what a great thing that is. When you choose to put your faith in Jesus Christ and have a relationship with God, God provides for you both now and for all of eternity. He is with you in all of your deepest, darkest days, the good days and the bad days. God is with you. But should you reject God, then who or what else is there to call out to? Is your God money? Well, I can assure you, you will eventually come to a situation in life where your money 
will not save you. Your job will not save you. How talented you are will not save you. There comes a time in all of our lives, perhaps many times, when we realize that we are helpless and we are hopeless. And we try the things of the world, and the things of the world make us feel that much worse. But there's a better choice. There's a better choice, and that choice is the Lord. Not the things of the world, not the gods of this world, but the God who created this world. And Elijah said, today you have a choice. And the same is true for you and I. Today you come into this building and you have a choice. We all do. We have the temptations and the desires and the things of this world that are battling for our hearts and our minds and our obedience. And we have to answer the question, will I be obedient to the God of this world, that is the devil, and all the sin of this world, or will I be obedient to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, who gave his life so that my sins could be forgiven? Today, you have a choice. And Elijah said to the people of Israel, the choice is before you. And he challenged the prophets of Baal. He said, here's what we will do. You have your God, and I have my God. He said, we will take a bull, and we'll prepare that bull and an altar for that bull to sacrifice this bull to our gods. And you call out to your God, and I will call out to my God. And whichever God responds, this is the God that we will know is the one true God. And so the 450 prophets of Baal said, challenge, accept it. And they prepared their bull and they prepared their altar. And oh, they begin to cry out to their God and hoot and holler and all this junk they was doing. And guess what happened? Nothing. That's what happens when we call out to our false gods. We probably... Don't want to admit it, but we probably know it for experience because we've called out to some of our false gods and tried to seek some of our false gods and nothing changed in our life. And it ain't going to change with our false gods. And the prophets of Baal, they did all they could. Nothing happened. Elijah kind of poked and prodded them, mocked them a little bit. And then when their time was up, and it was clear that the false god would not respond. Elijah called on the name of the Lord, and guess what happened? God sent fire down and consumed that bull. God responded. Elijah, standing in the face of death against Ahab, against Jezebel, against 450 false prophets, and Elijah stands boldly, and he calls on the name of the Lord, and God sends fire from heaven. Wow! What a phenomenal experience that must have been. That against all odds, against all these enemies, Elijah stands and God responds. Elijah has all these prophets of Baal killed. What a powerful, beautiful story we see in 1 Kings chapter 18. And then we turn the page to 1 Kings chapter 19. Listen to what happened in verses 1 and 2. 
Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like that of one of them by this time tomorrow. Now Jezebel was a pretty evil character. And she finds out about all that has just taken place in the story from 1 Kings 18. And what does she do? She says, I will kill Elijah. I, it is my goal. I will kill him. I will destroy him for what he has done. And then we get to verse 3. And Elijah became afraid. Now that is phenomenal to me. Here just a little bit of go. We see Elijah standing against Ahab, against Jezebel, against the 450 false prophets, against the false god Baal. He's trusting in the Lord. His faith is in the Lord. He calls in the Lord. He sees the Lord respond. And then the next situation comes up in his life, and he became afraid. You would think that Elijah would say, What have I to be afraid of? God, I have seen you respond. Jezebel, I don't care what you say. God is for me. Who can be against me? You would think that would be what Elijah would have done. But instead it says that he became afraid. And you know what? Perhaps we are not so different than Elijah. How many times in your life have you seen God work in a powerful way? How many times in your life have you called out to God in a time of trouble and God responded? And you know it was God. How many times have you been alone and felt afraid and God was there with you? How many times have you been sad and God brought joy to your heart? How many times have you seen something that looked impossible yet God did the impossible? And you see the power of God and you experience the power of God and you say, God... I praise you and I worship you. You are good. I'll never doubt you again until the next time of trouble comes. And they always come again. I could probably go and ask the oldest person in this room, no matter how old you are, have your troubles and hard times quit coming? And the answer would be no. It don't matter if we live for 200 years. Guess what? You get over one trial, you get over one struggle. As hard as it is, God gets you through it, but you've got to be ready because guess what? The next one is coming. It's right around the corner. It may be the next day, it may be the next week, it may be the next month, but get ready, the next trial is coming. And what do we sometimes do, perhaps often do, even as Christians, even as men and women who've experienced the power of God, the next trial comes and we become afraid. Our faith is weak. Perhaps physically we are weak. And all that Elijah had experienced, all that he has done, he got through this last trial that was difficult, and he gets to this next trial and he is ready to give up. Verse 3, Then Elijah became afraid, and immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there, but went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough. Lord, take my life. 
for I am no better than my father's. What a change. This man just stood up in the presence of 450 false prophets, called on God, God rained fire from heaven, and now Elijah is afraid. He runs off in the woods and he says, God, I just want to die. I'm done, God. I've had enough. I've had one trial too many, one hard time too many. God, I don't want to go another step. I'm laying down under this tree in my life. Have any of us ever been there before? You go through life, the trial is so big, the struggle is so hard. It is tough. And you know God is good and you've seen God work, but you're just tired and you're afraid and you just want it all to end. Dare I say that we have all been there before? That we say God, life is not worth living? Perhaps even gone so far as to take matters into our own hands? Life is hard. It is hard. It does not get any easier. You could probably argue that it only gets harder the longer we live. And there are probably days that we are just like the prophet Elijah. The mighty prophet of God, Elijah. And he says, God, I just want to give up. I've just had enough. I just... I just want to die. Well, praise the Lord, the story does not end there. Now, if the story ended there, that'd be horrible. If the story ended there, we'd say, what hope is there for me? I've seen God work, and I'm going through hard times, and I don't want to go any further. What do I do? Well, let's see what happened to Elijah. Verse 5. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. Then he looked, and there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him. He said, get up and eat, or the journey will be too much for you. Isn't it beautiful how God responded to Elijah in his time of trouble. God could have said, Elijah, what is wrong with you? Don't you have faith? All that you've seen me do and this is how you're going to respond? You don't even have enough faith to trust me? You just, you just want to die? I'm done with you, Elijah. Now praise the Lord God does not do that. Because if he did that, he could have done that with me years ago. If God did that every time we, we wavered in our faith and didn't have obedience to God, man, how bad would that be? But you know there's something about God, and we see this with Jesus time and again in the New Testament. There's one word that we see repeated a lot, and that is compassion. That God is a compassionate God. That God sees us in our times of struggle. That God sees us in our fear. That God sees us when we are afraid. That God sees us when we are ready to die. And He does not leave us or forsake us. Instead, He meets us where we are, and He provides for us. Isn't this a beautiful thing? 
God sees what Elijah is going through. He knows what Elijah is going through. And he sends an angel and says, look, here's some food to eat and some water to drink. And Elijah goes back and rests. And a second time, the angel says, here's some food to eat and water to drink. And Elijah rests. And what did the angel say? Get up and eat or the journey will be too much for you. The journey. Elijah was on a journey. He had been through part of the journey, but the journey was not over. It was a hard journey, and it was getting harder, but he must continue to stay on that journey that God had prepared for him. And so it is for you and I. Our life is a journey. Now, you may be in a good season right now where things are going well. Well, praise the Lord. Perhaps you're in a season like Elijah. Maybe you've just overcome a really tough situation and set of circumstances in your life. Well, praise the Lord if you've seen God work and deliver you through it as he did Elijah. But be prepared because there's trouble on the horizon. I don't know what it'll be. I don't know when it'll be, but I'm going to tell you there's going to be days that are going to come in your life and you're going to feel like Elijah felt. And it's in those days that we must seek the Lord. And it's in those days that we may say, God, I have had enough. You've got to help me. And what does God do? He provides. Now here he provided for Elijah in a physical way. And sometimes that's what we need is, is physical restoration. Sometimes we are just tired. Sometimes we just need to stop and we need to take a break. Sometimes maybe we just need to lay down like Elijah and just take a nap. Maybe we need to eat something and drink something and just rest. It's, it's amazing what a good meal and a good rest will do for you. Make you feel a lot better. And sometimes we just need to physically stop and rest. And God provides for us with our physical needs, but more importantly, he, he provides for us spiritually. He restores our soul. And He can do so because of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus died on a cross. He gave His life so that we could be forgiven because He resurrected Him from the dead and He conquered sin, He conquered death because of Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection. Because of what Jesus did, we can be restored in the Lord. Elijah was restored because he trusted in the right God. But what about you today? Perhaps you came into this place and you need to be restored today. Well, I'll tell you what, you can be restored if you trust in the right God. But if you're trusting in the gods of this world, you came in here needing to be restored and you'll leave needing to be restored. But if you put your faith in the God of Elijah, Life will still be tough. You will still have trials. You'll still have troubles. You'll still have days that you may say, I'm ready to give up. But the difference will be, you will have the power of God on your side. The difference will be, God will be with you. The difference will be, He will give you His strength when you don't have any strength to carry on. Because your journey is not done. And so for us today, we are on a journey. For some of you today, you may feel like Elijah. Well, I want to tell you today, God wants to be with you on that journey. 
He wants to prepare you for what is ahead. He had more ahead for Elijah. There was more that Elijah was going to do. And Elijah probably couldn't see that in the midst of his fear, in the midst of his sorrow. He was ready to give up. But God said, not so fast. I'm not done with you. I'm going to let you rest. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to strengthen you. And then I'm going to send you on your way. And so it is for you and I. You're on a journey. We can't end our own journey. God will end our journey when the time comes. But until then, we need God to strengthen us. Perhaps you need God to strengthen you today. He'll strengthen you if you seek Him. He'll strengthen you if you call out to Him. Even if you're His. Even if you know that God is good, maybe you just need a reminder today about the power of God to know that, look, He cares for you. Maybe today you come here, you're not a child of God. You have not put your faith in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you today, it's time to stop chasing the world and to make the right choice, to make the better choice that is Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you today. We thank you for your good word. God, I pray that you would help strengthen our faith when it is weak, dear Lord. There are days that even as your children, God, we just, we just want to give up. We just feel like life is too tough and not worth going on any further. But God, when we get to those times, I pray that you give us a little extra dose of compassion, a little extra grace, a little extra mercy, dear Lord. I pray that you would strengthen anyone in this room that is struggling today. God, you know, you know everybody's hearts, where they are, what's going on. God, maybe there's some today and they come here into this building and they put on a smile when they come in, but God, maybe in their heart they feel just like Elijah did. God, I pray that in this moment that you would let them find rest in you and Jesus Christ, that you would provide for them spiritually, maybe even physically if they need it, dear Lord. God, maybe there are some in this room today and they are not yours. Maybe they have made the wrong choice, as we see with these Israelites in the story. Maybe they have been choosing false gods their whole life. God, maybe they've been trusting those gods. But God, just as the prophets of Baal saw that their God didn't respond, God, make it clear to us so that we can see and know that our false gods will not respond either. But God, you do respond. When we seek you, we will find you. When we confess our sins, you are faithful to forgive our sins. So God, if there is one in this room that does not know you today, has not put their faith in Jesus Christ, that today that they would do so. God, I pray that you will be glorified through your word and all that was said and done here today. And God, if there's anything on anybody's heart that in these few moments as we sing, God, that they would respond to you today. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.